Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We present the very best panels, seminars, and other recordings pertaining to role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show. Episode 63, Gaming with and Designing for Young Players. Presented by Cam Banks, Lisa Bowman Steenson, Clark Valentine, Amanda Valentine, and Brennan Taylor. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> All right, so yeah, introductions so, probably so, make sense. Yes, some intros. Why are we starting Wayne? Because. <laughs> play right. passes to the left. Because you're good at I was just having a drink and like, Organized. <laughs> All right, um, I'm Cam Banks. I am a game designer and writer and otherwise do a kind of thing. I work currently at Atlas Games. I used to work at Margaret Wise Productions. And uh, I have two kids, both boys, 12 and 8. My oldest son, Connor, has Asperger's. And so one of the things that uh, drives my interest in uh, gaming for kids is not just kids who are you know, children of ages, whatever to whatever, but also maybe kids with special needs, maybe kids with um, autism spectrum disorder or other kinds of uh, things we had to account for in um, design and writing <coughs> games. Uh, I'm Brian Taylor, I'm also a game designer, and I have two kids who are now basically adults, so I don't have to worry about designing for them, but I did play an awful lot with them when they were younger. Uh, I don't really design games for kids, but some of my games are kid-friendly, so yeah, yeah that's that's really, uh, I think, where my expertise would come in, yeah, <laughs> plus having played, experience playing with kids. So. That's a very right, blurry line, yeah. and babies think you're silly. Yes, <laughs> um, that's I am. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Clark Valentine, also a game, game designer. Um, I, I wrote Fate Accelerated, which is considered to be a kid's game in some, in some circles, in some ways. Um, and yeah, I, I, I haven't designed a game for kids, but I've run my kids through a lot of games. I've run games for kids. Um, Fate Accelerated was designed with young players in mind, but not specifically for them. That's when you're young centurions, which is... Well, oh, that's true. I keep forgetting about that, because that's... Because it's in mind. Right. <laughs> my, my editor's back on. There we go. <laughs> I'm Amanda Valentine. I'm his wife and editor. Um, Was he editing? Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also have two kids. Did you mention our kids? I can't remember. But we, we, we in fact, share them. So (laughs) so they're 12 and 14. Um, I, in addition to editing Fate Accelerated and currently working in Young Centurions, I also uh, developed and edited Little Wizards, which is a game aimed at four or five, <coughs> up to about ten or so. Um, so that was fun, and a lot of the stuff in there ended up from my experiences gaming with our kids and watching him game with our kids. Uh, I also have been overseeing a D&D group at my daughter's middle school. So... I know what it's like to be in her with eight six through eight creatures all trying to run D and D. It's its own kind of wonderful and just madness. Chaos. Uh, I'm Lisa Steenson. Um, got lost in 
games, three daughters, but they're like 25 years on up. And my background is PE. And so to work with like 200 kids a day, every 40 minutes, it's a new group. What works for one set of third graders, Mrs. Walker's class did not work for Mr. Donovan's third graders. And so just being able to adapt and change what a goal is or how we're going to get there, how to incentivize kids to get through. You know, you know, sometimes part of a game is a little, it might drag a little bit. How to get them past that onto the next phase that it has more action. Like, we need to finish the square dance unit. I don't even like square dance, but we have to do this before we get on to basketball. So how to work with kids, uh, you know, in a board or card game so that they will pay attention during somebody else's turn, how to keep them involved and have it end before they're before, at that point where they yes, yes, yeah, exactly. where they're still interested in playing and then they will want to play again. again. Yeah. And so that kind of uh, those kind of factors involved in game design for young people. Short attention spans. Yes. How to keep their phones out of their hands. Hey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's actually really good. A really good segue into something I really wanted to talk about on this is that it's really important to remember when you're if you're designing for kids or if you're playing with kids or if your kids are included in your group, even if it's not specifically a kids group. Um, it's true for adults, but especially true for kids. Is that decision making energy and attention is a finite resource that gets expended. And you need to mm-hmm. be careful, or be deliberate, especially with kids, about where you expend it. Um, don't spend 45 minutes on excruciating detail of character generation in a tabletop roleplay game where you have to look through tables and pick spells or pick feats or whatever. Yeah. That can, okay, they're done, and now they've lost all interest in actually playing. Um, that could be for a regular game. Yeah, that's true for adults too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's especially, uh, that's just some. That's one reason why in Little Wizards for character generation, um, there are three options. One is you have an idea for your wizard, fantastic, go through the rules and do it, you know, with all the decision making on you. Second one is here are a bunch of tables that you can roll on or you can choose from to get all these details that you want. The third is. Okay, the absolute basic that you need is these three things, pick them, go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, depending on how much detail your kid wants to get into, how much they have attention for making decisions at that point, you have three different options. Because some kids, uh, of friends of ours, their eldest, he would probably sit down, take two hours, and write up the whole backstory for his character. Oh, and, I mean, he, you know, that's, that's the kind like. of detail right, yeah, he yeah. wants mm-hmm. to give to it. Yeah. Um, Whereas his younger brother is like, you got me for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so trying to accommodate both of them, you, know, you need lots of options. So uh, I'm actually curious what everyone in, yeah. who is yeah. attending is yeah. their interest in uh, designing for kids. If you're, pl- you're working on a game right now, or you're planning to, or you just want to play with kids, you know, I... Can, can we get a sort of a temperature of what's going on here? Yeah. I have no kids. I want no kids. I borrow kids. I, you know, I, my house is borrow. I have a five-year-old yes. in the house. We have a toddler, a, a newborn, okay. you know, less than a year old, but you know, trying to be, you know, we're a gaming household, so we're trying to incorporate them into the game. Okay, right. And, but he has <coughs> dreams of consciousness and 
you know, attention spans that you know, right. can't follow. Yeah. Yeah. You were in the I just turned 30, so my friends are all starting to pop out kids. And I'm trying, I mean, we've had a hard time just keeping a gaming group going, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to find ways that maybe we can. Yeah, a, few, a few, a few years down the line, you know, yeah, yeah, when yeah. the children are old enough, uh, well, try to do an advantage. Probably. And there's start. I mean, to some extent, I think gaming. If you really want to raise gamers, it starts when they're really little. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, finding ways to, like, I think our kids learned a lot just sitting at the gaming table yeah. with us in arms. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting it too that because this sounds like we're getting um, not just in you know, how to design for games, but how do you implement children into a gaming life? Yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I used gaming in the, with three daughters, and we're out on the property, so there are chores, and so on a any given Saturday, I would put out maybe thirty post-it notes of things I needed done that day, and some are small, you know, sweep the kitchen, go down and feed the horses, clean the stall, do. You know, so all these chores on post-it notes, put out a game that everybody knows. The four of us, you know, I'm, I'm in on this too. We play a game, and whoever wins gets first choice in the post-it notes. Oh, nice. Second, third, fourth, we all disappear. Go do that chore. Come back. Who the person that got fourth place was like, okay, I'm going to win this time. So, we, and I tried to keep the games to be in a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. If there's something they really wanted to play a second time, we'd do that. So we'd play. Again, first place. And so we get all 30 or however many things done, and they were excited to like get it done quickly and uh, get on to the next thing because maybe they had their eyeballs on, you know, that they wanted to be the guy that made the cookies instead of cleaned out the stall. So that was a way to incorporate games, getting chores done, and and I subscribed to zero TV channels. So, you know, we had games. Horses, river dogs, uh, you know, all the things that they needed, but cell phones weren't around. I'm so glad. (laughs) We missed a couple, so. Um, So, for the people in the recording, I'm the one sitting here with the baby in your lap that is here. He also has a big brother who will be six on Wednesday. Um, We mostly play board games with him. Um, We've been having issues with, you know, Getting really upset about losing or when things don't go his way. That's okay. And trying to find the balance between, like, you know, this is obviously upsetting him. Do we not do this right now? Or, like, you know, versus, you know, getting through it and, um, and also, you know, teaching something. And he's now gotten old enough where he, like, can tell when we're dumbing down the game for him, Mm -hmm. um, which worked really well when he was younger, but. And, you know, but he wants he wants to play the games we play now, and not the mm-hmm. kid games. And we have some ideas for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna have a baby on my lap come May. Okay. So, and um, uh, my husband and I are both gamers, and so we want you know to bring mm-hmm. the kid into that. I also have an 11th month old nephew. Okay. Who I'd like to influence <laughs> in that way. So none of us are designers. Yeah, that's, right, so that's, no, that's, that's, really that's, that's, that's why I wanted it's, to know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, it's so, I mean, there's a certain amount of design that goes on in like adapting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, and a nine-year-old nephew too. Mm-hmm. Cool. I have a three-year-old grandson, and I do look for uh, games that are mostly manipulating parts, like Monster Factory, and there's a uh, clown 
Coco the Clown stacking kind of game. And so he will now go into my game library and pick out one of his like six or eight games and bring it to the table. And of course, there's rules that you know we have to be careful of the pieces we play. Everything goes back in the box, and then he knows he needs to shelf the game again because kids could get pretty random with parts. And yeah. you know, if something rolls under the stove, we've got to get it. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really fun to see his. You know, when uh, I have a game day, he'll kind of wait for a little break, and he'll. Hey, want to play a game? And he'll run and get one of his games, and there'll usually be one or two people that are game to to share his game. So I like to see his development into loving to bring out a game. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a hit of a good point there too, because one of the things that we've had trouble with our kids is uh, getting to pack up after they're finished with something. Uh-huh. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean this is not like specific to any any particular kid. It's like all kids have this problem apparently until somehow they've learned not to, to do that. Don't now drop. Yeah, I mean like uh, we'll have like a, a game of uh, DC deck building just sort of still set up and then they'll get up and go off and watch the iPad I'm like I guess I'll put this stuff away. But the thing that uh, makes it interesting is that if there's a way that the game putting away can be part of the, the gameplay experience that's something I think we you could work on. Um uh, with Sentinels of the Multiverse, when we play that, you know, I make sure that my oldest son finds everything that goes in the right place, and and it becomes kind of okay. Now we need to put this. That's actually useful as yeah. opposed to I don't care, dump it back in the box. Yeah, they need to respect the pieces, otherwise your games turn into goodwill fodder after a while. Mm-hmm. And kids that have that tendency of oh, I know everything in its place, yeah, right. can and really be leveraged. Oh, you won. You get to put the game away. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Too bad neither of my kids were like that. (laughs) uh, Talking about uh, a kid who's ready, six is at the point where they they really do want to start doing things with you. Mm -hmm. They're starting to, like, this baby stuff. I don't want to do this. Um, A game that worked really well for us was Carcassonne. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, you take out the thieves. Not the thieves, the farmers. The farmers. farmers right. And it's a much more straightforward game. Yeah. Like that's the one rule that really makes it complex and is hard to wrap your brain around. Okay. It works just fine without the farmers. Mm-hmm. And it's an adult game that most kids can play. But you also start playing it cooperatively. Yeah. Um, I, a few times I played it cooperatively with my, my son. We just, okay, let's take turns. Let's see how big of a city we can make before we kind of have to close it off. Uh, and that was fun. Um, what's what's the highest total score between the two of us that we can, mm-hmm. can get? Um, that sort of thing. It's the um, same uh, concept as the monster factory, yeah. where it's all monster parts, and there's mm-hmm. only like two, either the big blobby purple or the green limbs, so they can start building a monster, yeah. and they can look to your monster and add a piece to make yours have more ends to finish. So that is a, a nice visual manipulative kind of game by the same company. One thing that um, is, is a lot of your game, uh, a lot of your gameplay role-playing games or, or hobby games like the... the um, Mostly like, with the kid we're playing board games. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm thinking with, with, like, with your gameplay. But like, like, when we yeah. play, we mostly, we mostly are playing role-playing games right okay. now because like, it's issues with board games right now. I think it's... Um, you'll hear... I see a lot on the internet. Oh, you're having a kid. Well, say goodbye to your gaming day. We started, we started. doing RPGs. I mean, I've been playing RPGs for a long time, but we I rediscovered it and restarted it when our, our, our daughter was an infant. Yeah, because we met Cam 
uh, right after three days after my daughter was born, and that's when we really started gaming. Um, it's really not that hard to have a little baby at the table as long as uh, the other players are are okay with occasional squawking and diaper changes and interesting smells of once in a while, right? <laughs> you know how that goes, right? Um, and so don't let that, st- my suggestion is don't let that stop you. Don't be afraid to, oh, yep, kid at the table. Um, that we, the three, Cam and myself and Amanda, we had babies at the table for years. Yeah, we did that too. That and it just was not a problem. Learn to yeah. be in that environment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good to see them. I th- it's good for them to see the adults having adult time, the adults continuing to enjoy stuff and have fun. And just because you grow up doesn't mean you have to stop. I mean, my, my wife and I had our first at the same time as uh, they had their second. In fact, my wife and Amanda were pregnant at the same time. And that was two years after they, your uh, daughter was born. And so that meant that we still we had new babies here and now we have that. And so it extended that period a while. And if you, if you have one child and then you'll see them grow up, you'll be that phase that just moves on from one to another one. But if you keep throwing more babies into the mix, you'll have <laughs> this happen for quite a while. And I do hear that from people saying, well, I guess you're gaming. But so often I think it's because they're, they've had those groups which can't put up with it. Like, you yeah. know. That's why I like seeing PK here. Yeah. Can it be willing to bring them into the fold? And then yeah. Like, I mean, come on, I want to play games. Yeah. Right. People who are like, oh, I just had a kid. I'm like, baby, where are you? So? so? Come on over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, or I'll go to your place. Yeah, right. we'll go to your place. Yeah, yeah, don't, know easier. don't clean up. Yeah. We're cool. Yeah. I remember as a little kid, my parents having friends over to the peanut <laughs> and mm-hmm. I loved yeah. it because then they would buy chips and they would mm-hmm. have things. Yeah, yeah. So we knew not to. Yeah, I grew up playing cards with my family. My husband was joking so. about that, you know, our kids are going to see RPGs the way he saw his parents playing bridge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Although I have to say, yeah, when, once our kids got old enough that they were interested in RPGs, they definitely wanted to play. Yeah. Um, and there is a certain amount of you know adaptation you have to do to mm-hmm. to get a kid to participate in an RPG mm-hmm. because they're you know you, you, they're going to be a lot wackier than you're generally oh, comfortable yeah. with as an adult. Yeah, it's so. not it's not a matter of they don't grok the rules so it, much it, as it, they it, just they're gonzo. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they don't have twenty years of you know here's how you play a game and use right. the GM's world and you know. They don't exactly. get any of that yeah. stuff. And they don't care about that stuff. No, no. they don't care at all. And so they'll just grab the plot and run with it and go in crazy directions. They're not and they're drinking gin and tonics. No, yeah. And they'll ask things like, can I have a pet alligator? Right. Can, can my alligator go bite the troll? Do you know how to range it? Like, Sure. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. You got to. You got to roll with it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fighting them is not gonna. It's right. not gonna be fun for you, and it's not gonna be fun for them. I think yeah, that whole uh, so. say yes or roll the dice thing make make a lot more sense mm-hmm. with kids than it does even with adults. Right. The idea that you know if you if you play and say well can I do this you should be saying yes or say roll some dice to see if it works. Now the one caveat I put on that is that they also need to learn that their fun is not the only fun that matters. Yes, right. And so if they're asking for stuff that's going to make things less fun for other people, like I don't know, our last D and D game, our, our son was having a little trouble realizing that other people got the spotlight too. Oh yeah. And he really wanted to do everything. It's like, well, there are two other players here who also get to do right. stuff. Yeah, we especially have problems with that because ours is an only, and most of our. Gamer friends don't have kids, so he's uh-huh. usually the only kid there, and so he's used to getting all the attention. And was the only well, yeah. was the only yeah, was the only kid. That's true. Yeah, ours are twelve and fourteen. So our son's twelve. 
You know what's awesome is uh, with my daughters uh, being in the gaming environment, um, I would have maybe quarterly game days up at the house, and my middle daughter uh, met Steve, who's now her husband, um, through gaming. Mm -hmm. And then my oldest, Raina, we went to a board game meetup at a brew pub, and she met Aaron, who she just got married to in August. So by them <laughs> being involved, that's... Yes. So we had, as everybody else sort of told us they were... Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I missed that. Oh, just, you know, we were saying were, uh, they were asking. And everybody had to do a 30-second Irish dance. We're all just in trouble. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I'm a doobie. Um, Mike, uh, I live very close to here. No excuse for not being here earlier. Okay. <laughs> so are, are you interested in designing games for kids, or are you interested in playing games with kids? What, what's your interest in um, Both. Okay. Or are you just try um, um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm less interested in some of the the more involved RPGs than I am in some of the shorter games and and games of skill and intellect. You know the 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 uh, Corto type games. Okay. And things I really like those. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in. I have a number on the on the napkins. Sure. And okay. I have a bunch of nieces, and we come from. This is a quote from somebody else: "The gamingest family they ever met." <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I've never been to one of these before. Oh, okay. It's my oh, first awesome. day. Oh, you're you're like this, this, so. come, come back. Yes, <laughs> four times a year. Four times um, a year. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of conventions, one of the things that I was trying to do at DexCon, and we're putting something in place to try to do this even more is to make conventions more family friendly because that is the, like your group might be fine with it but bringing a small child to a convention once they are no longer in the luggage phase yeah. and they are in fact you know, individual the moving luggage phase the moving luggage that makes it a whole lot harder to bring them to a convention and so one of the things that we're looking at doing at Double exposure conventions is having a room where adults can game, and there are games for kids too. But the idea is that adults can game there, and everybody's going to be fine with kids running around and stealing your die, and you know. You know what they did up at uh, JiffyCon, by the way. Do they? they? Well, yeah, but what they did is they have that game room, uh-huh. and there is a Lego corner, <laughs> which is just a big pile of Legos, and the kids are allowed to do anything they want over there, so that. There's, you know, That's awesome. yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, because then they're not going to be stealing your dice or anything. They got right. stuff to mess with, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were going to have and possibly bring my daughter into run games with them or something. Yeah, but um, actually, having childcare is its own group of things that yes. is not you don't want to deal describe with. as childcare, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. But having a place that's family friendly. Um, but yes, this game is for grown ups, but all the grown ups sitting at the table understand that there will be children running around right. and you will be okay with that, right? right. There will be and, and the, inter- um, the occasional interruption. Yes, absolutely. Some things that you'd have to worry, so just a room. Yeah, like one of the conference rooms upstairs. I mean, it's a room, a room much like this. A padded cell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where there's a couple of tables, but there's also room for mm-hmm. the kids to yes. be in. Yeah. And it's closed off. You can close the doors. Right, so they can't run out into the hallways and stuff. Yes. Right. And a wet bar, too. 
Yeah. And a whip arm. Yes, that's, that's essential. Because <laughs> there's going to be about eight, nine kids running around. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing about RPGs for kids, um, having talked to some of the other designers too who are doing it, one of the things we've noticed is that you often have two very distinct camps. You have the kids who want to bash everything, and you have the kids who really just don't want to hurt anything at all. Um, and so we were talking about how, as designers, you try to deal with that. Little Wizards doesn't really allow for bash. I mean, you can, but there's no mechanics for it. There's no hit points for it. So it's hard to figure out how to deal with that. Not always the best game, actually, if you have a kid who wants to bash everything. Um, but it's all about cooperation and teamwork and problem solving, um, which can help with the whole like learning how to, to fail, but sort of fail together and get good things out of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be easier than a board game, where it's just like, oh, it all sucked, you lost. Um, well, and then co-op board games uh, are yes. often a good yes. solution for that because mm-hmm. then you're you're not competing against each other; you're competing against the game. Yeah, we play um, almost all cooperative board games. Yeah, like uh, so Forbidden Islands. Awesome. It's yeah. fantastic. Super Forbidden Islands is so good for kids. So, Actually, yeah. my my oldest is enjoying the pandemic, which is funny because that's the game that once you you want to just like. Uh, fall on your sword a lot because because you, <laughs> you lose so often. But it's great because you know he he doesn't get the sense that he has lost. Right, exactly. It's more that well, man, we all got we got beaten by the diseases. I'm like, yeah, go diseases. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we had a beaut. Our daughter's really into Narnia. We had this beautiful Narnia game. The thing is, it was competitive. So the Pevensey children were competing with each other. Each other. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. That's just stupid. Yeah. And so luckily, we have a game designer and family who <laughs> right. went and. Hacked it. I mean, it, it was not a great game in the end because it was warping something that it wasn't into something new. Yeah, it was a roller dicing board game. Okay, we can hack this. We can work with this. Um. And, and we, so, I mean, don't be afraid to hack the heck out of oh. your board games, yeah. your card games. Yeah. You can throw all the rules out the window, and kids are still learning how to take turns. They're still learning how to be at a table. They're yes. learning the like they're learning in the parts of, of Candyland. <laughs> No, there's no, no defense for yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> there are better games. There are better games to teach those lessons. It, it is anathema. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kids of Catan is a beautiful, t- you know, luck-based, yeah. take-your-turn kind of game that is not Candyland. never-ending, like yeah. Candyland. Or shoots and ladders. Or shoots and ladders, oh my god. Oh, my god. Yeah. oh and you're back well, to the start. We have snakes and ladders. Oh, yeah, yeah. snakes was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like run for your life, guys. Gingerbread. Candyman is good yeah. because that game the kids get to tear up their, their yes rip off the limbs and yes actually that one that's I, great and the cool parents use real gingerbread now. of course yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah eat what you kill that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't kill the gingerbread man you harvest it <laughs> harvest oh it's even worse now it's children of the course yes <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> 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 That's Cthulhu esque. Come down. What I think it's really, yeah. really funny when we played uh, D&D with my kids, and they actually played old school D&D better than most D&D players. Because <laughs> <laughs> that we, I, I ran Keep on the Borderlands for them in like third edition, I think, when that came out. And the first thing they did was hire people in town to come with them to the dungeon. <laughs> and then they ran into monsters and talked to them and got intelligence about the other monsters in the dungeon and made an alliance. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, they talked to the kobolds, and the kobolds were like, these orcs are beating us up. And they're like, we'll take care of the orcs for you. <laughs> That's the only way to take care of kobolds. 
Exactly. How can we help you? Right. (laughs) Does anybody have any questions or anything that they'd like uh, us to address? Or can't keep rambling. Yeah, Yeah, we will. (laughs) We will. Or anything. Cooperative games. You know, we have Aiden does. You know, competitive. You know, like Zombie Dynasty, Lion Spouse, Crab. So we've got competitive games, uh, but looking for yet more cooperative games. Well, I think Forbidden Island is where Forbidden Desert is apparently even better. By it, some. It's more complicated. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, Forbidden Desert is, is a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's more advanced. I think, I like Forbidden Island. It's so evocative. I just, I love the components and I love the, anyway. And it does let yeah. you graduate into Forbidden Desert, but with Aiden I wouldn't start there. Because he's six, six? Uh, it'll be six in March. Yeah, start yeah, Forbidden Yeah, our, our six-year-old can... Kind of just play Forbidden Island. Right, right, right. Um, and then for a slightly I, older crowd, there's uh, Red November. Oh, which I don't is know. A, uh, it, it, your gnomes operating a submarine, which is sinking. And so fires start <laughs> all over the place, and you have to run around and try and put them out. Why do we own this game? The reactor starts to overload. You have to get someone down there with a reactor manual to, to stop it from <laughs> overloading. And it's, it's this, super I like that one this it's sounds awesome. Hard, though, it is, it's a little bit harder, yeah. Ink yeah. and Gold is a good pressure luck game, and it's all visual with are you going to keep going into the middle yeah. and maybe not be able to get back out, how much treasure you get to keep. So oh, the yeah. problem with chocolate bars, at least what, we, what we had, you know, is we had, what we call <coughs> don't, break your, don't break the ice problem, like mm-hmm. don't break the ice, and, you know, and, and when the thing falls down, that's a lot more interesting than just, you know, right. taking your turn to go around. Exactly. And so, yeah, her point was always, can I get the most marbles? Yeah. <laughs> and he's finally grasped that he wants the least marbles. Well, one thing I've noticed with my son is that, like, he plays video games that, and if they have a timer element or a thing where you, you've got a countdown, it freaks him the crap out. Like, he really gets yeah. super anxious. So any game that has a thing where, you know, we've got just... But no, for some reason, Forbidden Island doesn't give him that sense of, like, anxiety. But it's not a ticking. In the bit, like <clears throat> yeah, but if there's anything with this, like, we, we play games where it's like, okay, you've got this time, timer, go. And he's like, no! Because he'll start and keep going in. At some point, he'll sort of stumble on something, like if it's a game where how many words can you write down in this yeah. time or whatever. Uh, a, that gives him the problem with the whole motor skills thing, which he can sometimes be um, stressed about. But the fact that there's a thing that's buzzing when it's when he stops is just awful. So we've shied away from any game that involves time testing or countdowns, other kinds of things that are stressful from the immediacy. But there are some kids who that's that's what they want. They want that thrill of like, can we do it in time? Can we do it in time? And then whatever. So I think that that's a thing you need to figure out first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it might be yeah. good practice for real life. You know, if they if you throw those games in occasionally mm-hmm. meeting deadlines and and having stress that you manage right. instead of waiting until you have some career that you freak out with deadlines. Yeah. Although well, I think there are ways to deal with like if the ticking clock, like well, you're, like you're saying, Forbidden Island is fine because it's something that you kind of do on your own. If you need a moment, you can take a moment, and yeah. that doesn't set you farther back. Right. And you can, yeah, you can take as long as you want on your yeah. turn. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not like there's not a timer on it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's but a timer there's, in there's but on the number, number of turns. Right. But the the you can spend the time to look at what you want to do. A timer and a pacing mechanic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's uh, a yeah. pacing. Like pandemic is okay because it's got pacing. You think eventually we'll run out of stuff and we'll all right. be dead. But that's that's what those two games, Forbidden Island and Pandemic, are very very similar in terms yeah. of yeah. Uh, same designer, I think. Yeah. yeah, but no, but it's different if you've got an artificial thing external to the game's mechanics, which times how long it takes you to do stuff. You know, so I'm trying to think of other cooperative games for young kids. But so for really young kids, we had um, First Orchard by Haba, 
and it's like the same a lot of the same sort of things about like you know match colors and you know but you're picking up like these little wooden fruits and putting them in the basket and trying to save them from the raven that's coming down. Oh yeah, I think we had that one. <laughs> that one. That one is like you know like 18 months theoretically yeah. to play. And hmm. My nine-year-old nephew loves set. We introduced him to set. Oh, set. And he loves. They're it. usually better than adults at that. <laughs> yeah. um, for, for you know, I know your kids for that. There's a spot it. Yeah. We found battle sheep. So each person puts out their uh, like that's maybe eight hex that are together, and so you take turns putting out these hex to build a large pasture, and then they have nice bits, and you're putting all of your sheep on one, and you're able to only move in a straight line until you're blocked by an edge or another player, and you want to be able to get around and claim the most pasture, but your opponents are doing that as well and trying to block you off, and so little kids can play it, and they might get themselves blocked in the first time or two, and then they start to figure out how to, uh, how to move. So that, I taught that to a, a five-year-old and his 11-year-old sister and 14-year-old brother were playing as well, so I left that game as a gift, and their mom says they just, they leave it on the table and play it all the time. Driving her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that uh, kids like Zuloretto? What what? Zuloretto? I don't know. My um, daughters really did, but not when they were like six. It was right. more like when they were, you know, eleven, twelve. And so you have to like manage manage a zoo, zoo, but like beat all the other players' zoos. Oh. You have to make a lot of decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, if you take this now, you're not going to get as many. So, yeah, that was a good game for a lot of decision making. Do you remember the game that Mary Rose got that for babysitting? Oh, a little complicated for the scores when they were yeah. Yeah. Doodle Quest? It is Doodle Quest. Yes. yes. It's, it is technically competitive, but because you're doing it on your own, like, you have a challenge that you're given, and there's an easier side and a harder side, so the adult can do the harder side if you want, or, mm. you know, sometimes it's relatively hard to do the easy side. But you're comparing scores, but you're not doing things to each other. Right. right. You're not blocking people off. You're not actually like... Right. And so that feels oh. less competitive, even though right. there is a winner at the end. Nothing that you do affects anybody else, mm. except that you're adding to your points. And sometimes mm. I think that that's easier to deal with when you have a really competitive kid who takes... A, or an adult who takes it personally when... Right. <laughs> There's a difference between... I'm sorry, I'm talking about... Oh, no, go ahead. There's a difference between a competitive game... Where and a you know screw your neighbor game yeah yeah um, and yeah I think even even adults can sometimes like hey what the heck you yeah. know but those, I, I had this thing I was doing here those games have the origin in even traditional classic games I mean oh, like, yeah oh, yeah yeah but, but, yeah uh, you know but um what's that well, that's why I stopped playing traditional games. what I mean but there was some that, that's where I think a lot of uh, us uh, may have started playing gotten used to the idea that you could like whack on other people and. Play a card to do that. Play diplomacy. <laughs> but um, or you just tic tac toe. Like my yeah. kid, you know, yeah. you block a block tic tac toe, gets the same reaction as when he blocks you off a battle sheet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that I mean, I think that it's often good to to provide a variety of them and not just say right. you will never play this game because it has the the, the non co op version. You know, um, we'll continue to offer games to Connor that are going to be you know potentially challenging for him, but not. We won't just have those, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And then and let him do it at his own pace. Yeah. 
get up. If he's not ready, then I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, they're on page. Yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking of a couple other games that are appropriate, uh, board games that are appropriate for younger kids, and I think older than the five or six set, but uh, Takenoko, which is uh, mm-hmm. a game about growing bamboo, and you also have a little panda that goes. Oh, around I've seen it. that. Yeah, that one. That one's oh. fun, and it's competitive, but not like. It's harder to screw other people mm-hmm. over, yeah. and it, it, it you're, you're really kind of pursuing your own goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel like that's. And it's damn cute. It is very yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. And then uh, I played uh, I played Cortical, which is a, a tile pattern game. Yeah. 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 Really yeah. yeah, I'm going to start Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders yeah. is um, it's surprisingly easy to get mm-hmm. in my experience. I mean, when our kids were nine and nine, ten. ten. Yeah. They they got it and it's, yes it's competitive but again, again. it's, it's yeah. a little harder to just totally you know block somebody else right it's all about whether or not your strategy is working and I think I think that's an important thing right kids will take it a lot more personally than adults mm-hmm. can sometimes yeah. if if somebody does something that messes them up right yeah. Yeah. so yeah gotta watch out for that in games. You mentioned a game with a harder side and an easier side. Mm-hmm. What about games that are specifically designed? To play at different levels, so it's competitive for an adult and not as competitive, but allows a child to compete. Are there any games like that that you can? There's think a, of? most games you can adapt. I mean, a lot of games you can adapt like that. Like, mm-hmm. don't introduce all the extra parts. Just play a half-hour version of it and see if they understand the mechanic. And then the next time you play, bring one more thing. And like, if um, if I teach kids, oh no, you don't. The first time, if they're kind of young, like 9, 10, 11, I don't have the brawl cards. And then the next time we play, I'm like, okay, this time we've got brawling as an option. And So you can just look through the, like if you've not played the game, maybe read through and see how you can simplify it. Because they don't need the whole, you know, 10 pages of instructions. They just need the basic the thing we have to watch out for sometimes is that, like, our kid, is, our kid has now gotten the idea that, like, can introduce new rules at any time. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, not at any time. It's like, yeah. this way. So then they Calvin Ball it up, huh? Yeah. No, but yeah. It might seem like Calvin Ball. Like, you just, this came out of nowhere. You're just making rules up. I can do the same thing. I did like to see how that, like, that, that realization was when he was doing this. Like, is this what he thinks we sound like when we're explaining the rules? You know, Something that often gets overlooked when people talk about cooperative games is most tabletop role-playing games are, are essentially cooperative. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's worth throwing like, D&D out there. Uh, especially with what you were saying, with different varying levels of complexity. Mm-hmm. You have a, a veteran uh, RPG gamer. Yeah, let them go totally gonzo with the wizard and the spells and I'm going to min-max everything. But the eight-year-old... I mean, if, if you're okay with them playing a violent game and you're going to just go bash some heads, all right, you're a fighter, here's an axe, roll, you know, here's your attack roll, or you can do this other little trick. Which one do you want to do this turn? In 5th edition, they specifically designed the one type of fighter, um, the champion, I think it is, to be the least moving parts. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not bad compared to the other type types. Like the one that the, the battle master one has all these sorts of maneuvers and things, and you just spend points on, you get certain kinds of things. But the champion's just like, I'll pick up an axe and smack you with it, and I'll continue to get better during that as I go up. And that is that was intentional on their part <coughs> to say we want some classes that are easy to play and others are not. In thirteenth age is similar. What they did is they said 
we're going to tell you this class is more complicated than the other one. Uh, so if you want to have an easy class to play, play the Barbarian or play the so-and-so. Uh, and then things like Sorcerers are going to be way more difficult because there's more things going on each time you level up. I wanted to do uh, uh, to pimp up though my company that I work for, and that we sell, um, we make. What, you, what company is it, Cam? It's Atlas <laughs> Games. Uh, we have one game called Once Upon a Time, which I'm sure mm-hmm. some of you know about, um, and there's a game that does, um, I think, a fairly good job of being co- uh, competitive, and even having some blocking your move stuff because you do play fast to interrupt the storytelling. But it does it in a way that's interesting because the players get to hear a story unfolding as it's going on the table, even if they're not the ones telling it. Um, and I think with my kids, they like that because you can go super weird with that game. <laughs> uh, because you've got cards that, that have story elements and you have to play them as you talk about them in the, in the story. And the only way you can win is if you play towards your ending card, which no one else knows what it is. And so you, my fairy tale ending is one thing and yours is something else. And because you're trying to direct the story that way and playing cards that do that, you can get completely strange, like, hard right turns if someone takes over the narration with their playing a card and hits it towards their one. Um, but I've had my kids learn to reincorporate uh, <laughs> using this. But remember that, 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 you know, the magic wolf that was in the three minutes ago we talked about? Well, the magic wolf comes back and does this. And not always their own contribution to the story but someone else's so they'll build on someone else's addition to the story uh, so once Fun Time teaches that it can be played without even having reading comprehension because it's got pictures and we've even used it for ESL uh, and in schools so games that, that have multiple <coughs> accessibility uh, are also good because adults have a good time playing once upon a time it gets a whole lot more raunchier if adults are involved <laughs> um, especially if there's a couple of glasses of wine yeah um, <laughs> the tabletop episode of once upon a time is particularly funny because Will Wheaton used the set that we have which is the blank card you can write in your own things so he put like nuclear annihilation and uh, robots and stuff but um, conversely you know you can have these games with kids where they're just playing it um, the one variant that Jess often uses when she's teaching it to people to play with kids is we only have one ending card and we're all trying to tell the story that ends with this and we all play the game and play our cards and try and tell that so there are hacks, hacks of games that make it more and more accessible for different ages but stop, don't, don't stop it from being fun for the people who are older or the kids who are older yeah I think finding that balance of the game that actually plays on two levels at the same time is difficult. Some of the kids' games do do it, like like Doodle Quest, you can totally do that. Um, but you have to have, it requires that there are two different sets of things going that don't interact a lot. Um, but looking for kids' games that have that kind of thing, you'll probably find two levels that happen. But like you're saying, a lot of games have... Like uh, Sentinels of the Mother, <coughs> which is one of our favorites. Kids need to be a little older before they can play it. No, it's game. Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yeah, I can't wait till um, for that. Which will be younger than you think mm-hmm. if you choose the hero for him. Yeah. Uh, because some of those heroes are really hard to wrap your brain around. And so for someone who really wants to get into the mechanics, play one of those people to see how all the cards go together. Some of them are really pretty straightforward. And they need to be able to They need to be able to read because it's all card based. But there are much easier characters there who... A little basic arithmetic. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Although you can handle that for them, too, because it's a cooperative game and everything's open, or can be open. Yeah. Um, We've played... When we play with kids, we usually have their their hands out, 
so that like so they do it in rows yeah. instead of having a hand and then things out in front of them. And so that lets us look at their cards and say, oh, maybe you want to do that now. Until um, they get it and then right. then let them make their own decisions. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, the doing things open-handed too can you know yeah. let you play more challenging games with kids. Um, but this this leads into something that I always want to say in discussions <laughs> like this, which is. Don't necessarily assume that just because you have a young player that they can't handle uh, challenging and complicated oh, mechanics. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I absorbed diff- really complex role-playing game mechanics when I was 12, 13, because my brain was this empty little sponge. Sometimes and they're I better at it than we are. It. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, the key there is enthusiasm. <clears throat> if right. the kid really grabs it and runs with it, they can't. they will be... Because they've memorized Table Five Dash Twelve, and they'll tell you what happens next. Um, there is that lesson that you know you don't want to dumb things down because, like you were saying with the six-year-old, that they start figuring out this yeah. has been done for aimed at kids. That feels like it's patronizing to them. You know? Yeah. Well, to teach a, a base version of it first, yes, and then to add things. I don't think that. Is right. that different than dumbing it down? I think it's um, a good way of doing it, but you, like we said with the Calvin Ball experience, you must be able to say clearly, this is the version that has no X, Y, and Z components. Mm-hmm. Like, once we play this adventure, we're going to add in uh, these things, which are in the game, but we didn't use in the basic version. Like, I think uh, back when we were learning how to play D&D and stuff, I mean, the basic set wasn't really <coughs> basic compared to games now, which are trying to be basic. I mean, it was just there's still lots of things to learn. But it wasn't AD&D with its books with nothing except dense pages of text, you know. So some of it was just more presentation other than yeah. basic versions of it. I would find with my daughter's friends that as soon as you gave them... Uh, like several of them were kids that didn't have siblings, they weren't used to playing games. As soon as they felt like there were too many instructions... They're like, oh, I don't get it. I don't want to yep, play this. And, right. they would, and so they get them involved <laughs> quickly with playing so they can see some. I wouldn't have them go first, but right. they can see three turns before it's their turn. And yeah. So just to help them to stay right. in the game right. instead of freaking out. Yeah, different kids will, will react different yeah. ways that way. There's, there's many who will. Oh, this, oh I told you I don't play now. games. Uh, but then there might be that one or two who, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Be, is there a rule book? Can I read it? Can I, mm-hmm. uh, and then you find yourself, you know, up You're at like, seven thirty on a Saturday morning with your flashlight reading. <laughs> These oh, were like little brown-eyed does, though, that they would just say, freak yeah. out if it seemed. But they have almost talking. kind of at some point maybe someone has convinced them, or they have convinced themselves based on experience that they don't do that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's the thing that we had to fight. Most well, of the time. kids that didn't have siblings, they just their parents didn't play games. They're yeah. not familiar with a lot of the languaging. They just so. Just to bring them in gently. Yeah. But also, I mean, a lot of people can learn things at in play a lot better than they yes. can learn from their experience. Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. totally tune out when anybody's explaining rules to me. I'm like, I'll catch yeah. up as we go. My wife's the same way. <laughs> it's not. She's got to actually see it how it's working. Right. Yeah. yeah. Three things. I'm okay. The fourth thing, I right. forget the right. first thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned setting those little developing versions would be good with kids. Um, what about villain choice in that? Because I mean, Sentinels of the Multiverse can be. A pretty basic game with some of the villains, but also a really yeah. hard and complicated right. game Which with others. I think with kids, you don't want to do what Rob was doing with the randomly choosing mm-hmm. because you can end up with a really bad mix, and that can be very frustrating. 
Um, but the, the better you know the game, the better equipped you are to yeah. know, okay, you have that, you're, you want to play that hero? Yeah. We can do this villain, it's going to work well. And also, it's a Baron Blade. He's building an innator that will pull the moon down out of the sky and then just go, That's really? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know, ridiculous, but you know, here we are. <laughs> we, and, we, played, uh, you know. we played one game of that with, with my son uh, where the villain was Citizen Dawn, who is a great character to teach you how you can get smacked down so quickly that you can't win. Now, it was a total mess. We all got wiped out, but from now on, what happens is sometimes I'll say, hey, you want to try and see if we can beat that Citizen Dawn villain? He's like, not today, but I really want to try sometime. So that's like a thing where you can look ahead to difficulty and say, we can play the game with some easy levels, but man, if only I could beat that character, because no one's beaten them yet. Uh, So in our personal set, there are villains we haven't beaten which kind of like end up being cool milestones for one day to go and Also, uh, your force influence uh, something we do because we have so many people who want to play. You know, to stay involved, somebody just actually runs the environment yeah. and yeah. build a deck. So they only have to be concerned about the heroes. They don't have to be worried about all the uh, clockwork stuff that's happening with the environment. And actually, that would be a good way to get a kid involved. Yeah. yeah. If you only have one kid. Flip the card. Okay, what, what does it say? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Okay. We just have a few more minutes. Anyone have questions? Yeah. Completely different question. Uh, yesterday it came up with uh, regards to putting ages on boxes because of legal issues mm-hmm. and things. If you can explain some of that or other legal pitfalls to creating games for kids. Oh, oh. <laughs> lawyers. I can tell you uh, the reason that the, we do this. Um, in fact, I think with Marvel Heroic we put the thirteen plus. Uh, that is purely to tell. <laughs> Uh, customs in China and other kinds of agencies that this game is not intended to be a child kids thing. So there's a, there's a cut-off point in which it has to go through uh, testing and make sure that it will be suitable, not just for like the content, that never matters, but it's like is this going to be components and so on? Yeah. It sticks us in your mouth. Kind of, you know. If you have a game that you know that kids eight and up love to play but you don't want to have to go through that testing thing, a lot of people will say this is for 13 up and then tell you in the marketing, you know, suitable for whatever. They just can't say on the box right. that it's that, which is a really sad situation because what it ends up doing is having publishers either lie because they don't want to put the cost of, for the component testing, right? Uh, which can lead to further problems, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. they didn't get tested. Or that people just are turned off on a game that they would otherwise be super into. Like DC deck building, my kids play that. My eight-year-old loves this game and beats us all the time, but it is a 13 up. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah, that's right. why I put 13 so just components? Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. It's, it's, so it's, you took the same game just made a really big version? That'd be okay? No, no. Yeah, you can make sponges and stuff. It's the matter of, it's, no, it's the matter of not wanting to go through all of the hey, regulated, regulatory, regulatory chemical testing. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. right. And, and if it's printed, yeah, I understand. Paper and cardboard. Yeah, if it's printed, those are pieces. Yeah. My understanding is if it's printed on paper and cardboard counts as paper. That's considered a printed product, right. and, it doesn't, have and it doesn't have to be safe. But if you've got any other kinds of components like uh, markers or dice or yeah. things like that, those all have to be tested. This so game is all paper. There's one die in there. It was sixteen hundred dollars to have tested, so I could put ten on the box because of the one die. die. Yeah. Because of the die. All paper. If you had said bring, bring your own die, 
It would or have been, it would have been a, a spinner Nepal. or something. Yeah, yeah. But, um, spinners are so seventies. We, we, but some people <laughs> still. Oh, true. Yeah, some yeah, people yeah. still put their thirteen up or something just because they don't even want to have them challenged at some point. Right. Even if it's a game without them running instead of. Right. Yeah. What What about a a fold together big cardboard die? It'd be cheesy, and it would. Yeah. It wouldn't roll very well. And it can be but, the, but the cutoff for that is thirteen. Because we always wondered about sometimes with like some of these things, like the, the labeling. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's like <coughs> you can find whatever the current standards are for testing uh, online at the government stuff, and just check that out. And it does yeah. change from time to time. That's like seven pages of lawyer speak. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, is that? Uh, <laughs> and I, I haven't done anything but actual card and paper. So in, yeah. In, uh, game, hobby game testing standards US or something, and we will pull it up with Google. If I had that, I, I, I've been over that thing about five times myself when, when my time is doing stuff, and every time I forget where it is. So it's not easy to just like pull out my brain. I even forget which uh, government branch agency it's supposed to be. CPSI. CPSI, yeah. But they're the ones that like just like we are hiding behind the scenes, teaching your games while you don't notice, you know. Please give us a ton of money. Well, that, the, um, gosh, I've had my games taken off of container <coughs> and be inspected by customs. Yeah. They take two weeks. They charge me $1,200. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, so it's a, it's a big deal. And again, it, what's why it leads to, you know, falsified statements, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a false statement that says it's Cathedian not because it is, right? Just right. It's just that you're you're enough. essentially cutting off a yeah. lower age range that it could be for because it's too right. much of a pain in the ass. You're violating yeah. the warranty if you let your 10-year-old play with this, and that's not our problem, so go. And is there <laughs> other hurdles or barriers similar to that? Other than that, the legal stuff? No, I don't think there are really that many that would be ones that you would have to bring up. I mean, talk to a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're really seriously good, talk to a lawyer. It's worth it, yeah. just for the peace of mind, if nothing else. Just get somebody who's done this before, or at least can look that up for you. <coughs> because if, if you say, I want to just see what the stand is up Yeah, yeah, and we're just about done. Any last? Well, yeah, it's like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.